And let's get a little video clip now on what it means to give ourselves to God. After escaping slavery in Egypt, the Israelites set out towards the Promised Land. While traveling near Mount Sinai, God gave the Israelites' leader Moses specific commands about the best way to live. Some of these commands were about the exact way that the Israelites should worship God, including where to worship. For some time, Moses had set up a tent outside the Israelites' camp where he met face to face with God. When Moses entered the tent, a pillar of cloud would stay at the entrance of the tent. When the Israelites saw the cloud, they would each stand at the entrance of their own tents, worshiping God. They called this place the Tent of Meeting. But now, God gave specific instructions to Moses to build a new place of worship. So Moses gathered together all of the Israelites and spoke to them. This is what the Lord has commanded, Moses told them. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Moses then listed out all of the specific materials that were needed to build this new tent, which would be called the tabernacle. He asked the Israelites to volunteer to donate the materials needed from what they already owned. Everyone who was willing brought their materials as offerings to God. They brought gold jewelry, such as earrings, rings, and ornaments. They brought silver, bronze, and wood. They brought colorful yarn and linen, goat hair and leather, just as Moses had requested. The leaders of Israel also brought their precious stones and gems. Using these materials, skilled artisans and workmen constructed the tabernacle. For the first time in their lives, the Israelites had a specific place where they could gather to worship God and to bring their animal sacrifices for the priests to offer on their behalf. To tabernacle is a Hebrew word that describes God's dwelling with us. To tabernacle means to pitch one's tent and to take up residence. And that's what God does with us. And that's what we're celebrating as we recognize God does not ask us for anything, including coming to serve him, as Darren has so beautifully shared this morning, without knowing that that's what we need to do. God does not call us to take up that dwelling with him without calling us to realize that that's what God's already done with us. He's dwelling with us. And God says, Give me what you have and who you are and watch what happens. God doesn't just call us to believe that. God testifies to it in so much as he gave his most precious, his own son, that we would know, that dwelling. And it is in Luke chapter 12, only place in the Gospels that this is described, that we hear about how we are called to respond to that. Jesus is describing it in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Listen as I read that for us right now. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. Jesus had been warning against 
getting too caught up in the ways of the world. And in verse 13, Luke tells us, Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Some of you have been there. I've just been through that this past week with uh, Nancy and her family. It was a beautiful thing. There was no fighting. But here there is. Because there's a whole occupation with the stuff of this world. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care. Be careful. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For once life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Then Jesus told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God take this word and through the power of his Holy Spirit speaking to us right now, cause us to realize very personally what it means to be rich toward God because that's the only kind of richness that will last. Let's pray. Father, as we come now, we want to come with open hands and hearts that would discover what it means to truly be rich on your terms, for that is what really matters. So come speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Let your word dwell and tabernacle in our hearts. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts truly be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and you are our salvation. All these things we pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. There's an old expression uh, that has too often been regarded as a lazy way of casting things off to fate. Kind of like just, well, just la-di-da. Do you know that Greek term, la-di-da? <laughs> that, that phrase took on, uh, I think, a lot of, of gravity in the know, past generation. And it's this. Let go and let God. Let go and let God. And it, it was kind of a fatalistic sort of, well, just kind of let it all happen. And that's not what it means. Be, because to truly let go 
and let God is just the opposite of being fatalistic. It's hard work. Anybody tried that one? Let go and let God? Where's, where's dudes? Yeah. That was tough work, wasn't it? It'll, it'll continue to be. It is a daily act. It's a daily act. And, and Darren, you, you carried, carried that for us so well. A daily act of assessing what we are holding on to and what is holding on to us. And coming to God and letting God be the one who lets go of what is clamped onto our lives. It's a daily act of coming to God and saying, Lord, you be the one who adjusts what I'm doing because I'm the one that's got this death grip on the world. Now, Jesus came very clearly to make this adjustment. He was adjusting things for the status quo. He had just talked to the Pharisees who thought they had it all worked out, and this was rocking their boat. And Jesus comes to rock our boat. He comes to make adjustments in our lives and show us how that's how we are brought very concretely into the place where his life and death and resurrection alone take us and adjust us and enable us to truly let go and truly let God. Now, you know, this, this subject of giving is uh, so often dealt with uh, either so seriously or uncomfortably or awkwardly. And, and this morning, we need to get beyond all that. We touched on this subject of giving when we spoke of it in the week on stewardship. And it, it is serious, but here's what we miss. And Jesus didn't mince words when he said of this man in this parable, fool, your life will be demanded of you. He wasn't being mean-spirited toward the man. He was simply describing the reality. It's folly. That's where we get the word fool. It's folly to try to store up something that is greater than what God has for us. When we try to hold on to what we have been given in this life, we hold ourselves back from the things we need most, from joy, from freedom that come from this, being fully at God's disposal. We hold ourselves back when we try to hold on to this life. And boy, I tell you what, as I most recently uh, realized that life ends very suddenly and quickly with Nancy's mom, I, I realize we've got to simply let everything belong to God. Listen to the radio. Listen to how God speaks. Puts those signs right out in front of us. God is a very practical God. If God needs to whack us up the side of the head with a cast iron skillet, he'll do it gently, but he'll do it. And this is so lost on our world that is so caught up in entitlement and so caught up in self. Oh, but I have to have my way. Now, I suspect, suspect many of us know this. We know that's not hopeful. We, we know that letting God have all that we are is where our, our hope comes from. And we want the world around us to know it too, but we are overwhelmed with a world that is going in the complete opposite direction. Darren, you... You said it so well to me, I think it was just last week. Yeah, 
But what about the day-to-day stuff? Is God going to step into those situations? Yeah. Well, ours is to give him room to step. If you, have you noticed this? People today want stuff just to have stuff. Bigger garages, bigger barns. And people want stuff in ways that, are, that is meaningless because they don't want to have to wait for getting more stuff and they don't want to have to learn the meaningful experience of not necessarily having what they think they have to have. They don't know the whole discipline of sacrifice, of being made holy, of letting God set us apart. And that's what Darren was talking about. God said, it's not that I want to make things harder for you. I think I want to make, God says, I want to make things easier for you. But are we willing to be set apart for God's purpose to what God knows needs to happen in our lives? See, we live in a world of mediocrity because we compromise. We live in a world that says, well, I want a little of this and a little of this. And you ever been to a buffet and come out stuffed and, and said, that was really not very good? Right? You know, we live in Nevada. We know about... God says, no, look, let me put on your plate what really is going to satisfy you. Jesus calls us to sacrifice. Jesus calls us to look at all that stuff and say, no, you, you set the table for me. Now, and he does this not to make us miserable, but to show us the better life that comes from following him. That's what Jesus is doing. Now, sometimes I think people fail to realize that Jesus is not calling us to an austere, monastic life of living in a cave and eating ramen noodles. He's not. There will be that part of the deacon thing, or the elder thing, but we'll talk more. Jesus, no, in fact, Jesus came and he said, I came that they may have life and have it. Go, oh, you, you know, good. The abundance to which Jesus calls us is the one we will know when we realize the power and the meaning that come from giving away who we are so that people can know who Jesus is. Did you know that can happen? When we are giving away who we are, people will see who Jesus is because we will see who Jesus is. You see, our greatest resources are not material before they are spiritual and emotional. We need to realize that. We've got that backward. Who we are enables us to have what we have, and out of the combination of these, we get to point to who Jesus is because we realize in surrendering these, our emotions, our energies and our, the physical resources we have for the purpose God has, we will discover what it really means to be alive and loved by Him. Do you know why? Because it's all we are holding on to. Yesterday at, at uh, Marion Johnson's, the other Marion Johnson's memorial service, at my mother-in-law's memorial service, I read a C.S. Lewis quote that says, ultimately, when we realize all God is, is all we have, we have the most meaningful life. 
Uh, there's a world around us that, that's trapped in not knowing this. Trapped in loneliness, fear, anger, resentment, disappointment, longing for meaning. Why? Because it does not know the power of the resource of relationship with Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. When you really know who Jesus Christ is personally and that he loves you, nothing else really matters. For those who truly know this gift, there is no need to build a bigger barn to house the gift. The pursuit for them is just the opposite of the man in the parable. It's giving the gift away giving away who they are and what God has placed at their disposal, placed in the barn of their hearts. The the gifts of compassion and understanding and forgiveness and long-suffering, the willingness to listen and challenge and point to who Jesus is because here's the only barn we need. It's right here. It's right inside us. And God will expand that to house everything that he knows we need to have so that there will be an abundance of that to give away to a world that is devoid of so much of that. And Jesus wants us to be very smart about how we give away what he has entrusted to us. Haddon Robinson is a great, great preacher uh, and a a teacher of preaching, and he shared an example of this. He said, in literature, the story is told of a man who, who opens a newspaper. I'm sure this was done in the Twilight Zone, too. And he discovers, as he looks down at the newspaper, that the date on the newspaper is six months in advance of the date he's in. So he's reading today's newspaper in the fall, okay? And he begins to read through the newspaper. And as he does, he discovers stories about events that have not yet taken place. And he turns to, of course, the sports page. Think about the Super Bowl. And there are the scores of games not yet played. And here we are in Nevada. You know exactly where he's going with this. (laughs) Sportsbook, right? Yeah, yeah. And he turns to the financial page. And he looks at the Dow Jones and he discovers the report of the rise and the fall of different stocks and bonds, and he's realizing, I can be so wealthy. One bet, one buy, I'm there. A few large bets on an underdog team he knows will win, and he'll have it made. Investments in stocks that are now low but will go high can fatten his portfolio, and he's delighted. Yay! And then he turns the page. And what does he see? His obituary. Yeah, you're with me. (laughs) Everything changes. The knowledge of his death changes his view about his wealth. Guess what? It's going to happen to all of us. All right? He turns that page. There's an old expression, you can't take it with you. You never see an armored car following a hearse. I have done 400 memorial services in my life. There's never been an armored car at any of those. Been a lot of families fighting over stuff, but that's a whole other thing. See, Jesus' point is, we don't need this stuff like we think we do, and we certainly won't need it when we come face to face with him. All we will need is who we are. 
It doesn't matter our age. We will all end, I guarantee you this, especially here in the West, we will all end with more resources than we know what to do with. And when we are not realizing that the whole point of what we have and who we are is to be used for others, we will fail to know what true wealth is. We will have way too much stuff. That is the wealth that we really need, is knowing what matters, knowing the solitary hope of belonging to Jesus Christ in sunshine or shadow, when it's tough, when we're worried, when fear does creep in, but we say, ah, oh, wait, I belong to the God of the universe. So that at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, the only thing we hold on to is who Jesus Christ is and who he's made us and what he's given us. Giving our resources then, emptying our emotional and spiritual and physical barns is how we discover what this looks like. Now Darren and I didn't talk beforehand, but that's exactly what you're describing. You empty your barn and you say, I don't need fear and I don't need this stuff and I don't need time on my terms. I need to be available to God. It's not a natural act, is it? <laughs> it's not a natural act to say, okay, God, your clock, your bank account, your resources, you do through me what needs to happen. That's not natural. It takes time and discipline and courage in the face of fear and wisdom. It takes asking someone else who's done it for help to look around and say, how have you managed this? How have you been courageous in the face of the world's values and truly followed Jesus with everything that you are and everything you have? It takes daily asking Jesus, thank you dudes, to come into the process of discovering just what we have and how precious it is to him that we would say, here I am, show me what you want to do with my life. Now, I've got a, a personal confession this morning. I love stuff, okay? That may not be an affliction any of the rest of you experience, but I <laughs> love stuff. In fact, if you come to my house, as many of you have, you'll see I love collecting stuff, really valuable stuff. If you look alongside my walkway, okay, old car springs, beat up lanterns, shot up buckets, inside of washing machines, all stuff that I found up in the hill. Nancy said, you get just this section <laughs> for that stuff. Okay, quick aside. When we first moved here 20 years ago, I started accumulating my stuff and putting it there, and she goes, okay, but just this section. And Kate, who was then Katie, wanted to go out and be just like Dad. So she wanted to bring her own stuff home, and she found a smashed muffler, and she brought it home, and she put it there with the stuff, and she was so proud. And Nancy looked at it and said, no way, I'm drawing the line, that thing goes. And she drug it across the street and put it in the vacant lot across the street. <laughs> and Kate and I went out the next day, and she goes, oh, my muffler, somebody took my muffler. She got it and drug it back, and it's in that junk pile to this day. And Nancy says, you're corrupting that child. You're ruining her. <laughs> well, you know what? We do that. We do that with one another. 
we accumulate way too much stuff and we encourage one another to accumulate way too much stuff. But I'm learning, I am learning how important it is to let go of what I have so that I can become who God has created me to be so that others can see him at work and let go of their stuff. I love American pickers. You know I love American pickers. <laughs> Donald, where are you? Partly because of the history and the interesting stuff, but perhaps as much because it reminds me. It reminds me I am way too much like the majority of the people on the show that have mountains upon mountains of stuff, piles upon piles, covered in dust and rust that what? They just cannot let go of. Have you ever watched this show? Oh my goodness. They offer them crazy prices for stuff that is just mud covered and they won't let go of it. Oh no, no, I can't sell that. I can't sell that. If you haven't seen it, anyway, I digress. And I and as much, as much as I grieve for these people and think that they're just a couple tacos short of a combination plate, <laughs> I, I realize that literally and spiritually they describe me way too well. I'm looking at them and I'm going, that's, that's like me. I have mountains of resources inside the barn of who I am and outside of me that God has given me that God could use if I would just let the Frank and Mike of God's Holy Spirit come in and clear things out, put it in their van and take it to some place where it's really needed. This takes courage and it takes discipline to let God come in and do that kind of clearing out. Uh, recently, I, uh, I needed to put a big box away in the garage. And I was pretty sure I had just the place. I actually had room in my garage that I had not collected too much. But then I looked where it was supposed to go. And I saw four old motorcycle helmets, none of which I could wear because they're so old the insides have rotted out. But I still have them. <laughs> they're, they were between 25 and 35 years old. But I've carried them from... San Diego to New Jersey to Texas to Nevada. and I looked at him and I realized they just have to go. Have to go. And just as I decided, I've got to let these go. I was shaken. You know. <laughs> got to let these go. I remembered an ad that I saw in the Nevada Appeal. And a guy was wanting to buy old motorcycle helmets. So I called him up. I was ready to let him go. I was going to actually just put him in the garbage, but I called him up. He was there in five minutes. He gave me 70 bucks. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> the money isn't the point. The money isn't the point. I had a piece about just letting them go in the garbage. I would have been okay with that. Kind of like feeling that I had made room for God to work inside me because they just weren't going to be something I was attached to any longer. But here's the good news. Beyond money, beyond a cleaned out garage, God has given us resources to be used so that we would know him and be able to show our broken world 
His grace and mercy. And God will give us ten times what that stuff is worth that's inside us when we give it back to Him. I get 70 bucks for junk that ought to be in the garbage can. If, if the world will give me $70 for old motorcycle helmets, what's God going to give me when I say, here, take what's inside me that I need no, t- no longer to have? God will have so much room to fill me up with so much that the world needs. God will come sweeping into our space, I guarantee you this, with a refreshment and a freedom. It's the very mark that God really does work and shows himself to us and through us in very practical ways. And that's why God set this table. That's why God built this house out of what we have given God. God gave us the hours and the days we have, the hearts and the minds to know him and the wonder of his love. Today there are resources in our lives each of us need to give God. Darren spoke of it. God, what do you want to do with my life? The reality is that God wants us to be rich. And I'm not talking about prosperity gospel here. God wants us to be extravagantly rich beyond our imagining and has given us everything to show us how it is possible for the poorest to the richest in the world to be rich on God's terms. Rich unto God. That's what Jesus says. Because we, we aren't, when we aren't rich unto God, we're poor. When we give our resources to God, we give God everything and all that we have because it's all from God. And Jesus showed us how to do this. And we're coming into Lent. It's a great time to remember that. Don't hang on to something we can't take with us. Unforgiveness, bitterness, lack of compassion. Can't take any of that with you. God God may say it's good to have you here when, when life is over, but you're not bringing that in here. Leave it behind. Hold on to what God has given us and let it be used now to open the way to becoming signpost people that cannot help but show the world this way to hope. Our lives will be images of that, that people will say, that's what I need. I want to be like that. It is as we come to this table, we realize this, and we're set free to let who God has made us and is making us show his redeeming and renewing love to someone else. May we today discover what it really means to let go and let God. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. And as we do, I'm going to sing just a, a little song that we don't sing quite often enough probably, but it'll prepare our hearts to come to this table. We give thee but thine own. Remember, everything belongs to God.
Trust, O oh Lord, from 